Hi, my name is Joe Jackson. I'm a journalist, author, interviewer, and broadcaster. I also do this podcast series called the Joe Jackson Interviews Podcast, and it's based on the roughly 1,400 celebrity interviews I did over a 30-year period for all major media outlets in Ireland. Speaking of which, during the first decade of the 21st century, I did a radio series called Under the Influence for RT Radio 1. But after going back to the master tapes, I've decided to name the podcast version The Music That Made Me. But in brackets, made me want to make music. What you're about to hear is a wonderful clip of an interview I did. Actually, it was recorded in my kitchen at home, hence the echo, with brush shields. And let me say two things about the part I want to play from a 90-minute tape. When I was a kid, around 14, I saw Phil Linnett on stage in Club Caroline in Glasthul. I think at the time he was part of a band called the Black Eagles. And weird as it may sound nowadays, I'd never seen a black musician on stage. And my only point of reference, I'm almost ashamed to say, was Jimi Hendrix, whose music I loved. But what I vividly remember is walking back from the jacks, as we used to call it, the toilet in Club Caroline, standing by the stage, too shy to even talk to the opposite sex, and seeing a group of girls staring at Philo, entranced by the guy. I remember thinking, geez, it must be great to be in a band and have girls look at you like that. I was reminded of all that when Brush told me how he set up Philo at the start as the sex symbol of their band, Skid Row. But I also want to say this. I frankly get a pain in the ass hearing the lie about how you two were the band that gave a sense of cultural confidence to we Irish. Yes, they did on a global scale. But speaking here purely as a rock fan who came of age in the 70s, I have to say, and I did happily say to Brush, in a part of the tape I made sure to include in the broadcast version of the show, that I'd never forgotten how proud I felt as an Irish rock fan when I saw a melody maker in ad for the first Skid Row LP. Not only that, although I forgot to tell Brush this, circa 1970, I saw the band at the National Stadium in Dublin, and though I've long since rubbed out the bootleg cassette I made on my little Sony tape recorder, I do have somewhere a clip of Pat Egan on stage talking about the band and telling us all to go buy t-shirts and posters. So you can guess how privileged I felt 30 years later, taping in my very own kitchen, a private gig by Brush Shields, in which he reminisced about the start of his career and sang for me the first song Phil Linnett ever recorded. I dedicate this podcast to all fellow fans of the original Skid Row. Philo was singing in the band, and he brought his girlfriend along, Carol, beautiful girl. And I told Phil, if I ever seen her there again, he was out of the band. It was his job to get all these young girls, which we had, you know, right. when Skid Row started. We were only, into the, if the girls are dead, the lads will follow. And even though we were playing fairly intricate stuff, we weren't stupid. Like, we were around a long time, had to get the women in. So Phil had to tell his girlfriend, he said, if I ever see her again, you're out of the band. And that's it. Glick the chicks. Phil actually has that in some of his books that I told him. That's my job, to glick the chicks. Which is and was that the logic? I hadn't heard that. If the, if the girls come, the boys will follow. Their boyfriends will follow. That's right, yeah. No matter oh, what okay. you were playing. Yeah, so we'd, we, for, a, for, the heavy, for the heaviest band ever to come out of Ireland, we would have had the most girls at the gigs. All right, OK. So but did you just yield your role as potential sex symbol to Phil? I told him straight out, like it was business. Like, and I, he, he, he'll tell you, if, 
if he arrived here tonight, which could happen very, you know, right. depending on whether what the circulation is like, <laughs> he would tell you that's exactly what I told him. Right. And you, you could meet him, any of the lads, Gary Moore, Noel, any of the boys, they'll all tell you the same thing. This is what was stated. But you know, there's a lot of bands and in the history of rock where the male singer or whoever was the sex symbol and somebody on drums, guitar or bass got insanely jealous because mm. they were attracting all the women. So did that ever bug you? Not in the slightest. Because right, okay. the, the reason we, we had this great act, you know, there was, there was a film called The Defined Ones with Sidney Pottier and Tony Curtis. And I had this idea that the very first gig we'd done together, which was a new CD, we'd handcuff ourselves together like in the oh, films. Right. You see yeah, that? Yeah. So, so I, I just done a little thing, I done a little thing down the back of Phil's short to make sure it would rip when I grabbed it. All right. So I came, I fall out with him. And then I come around behind him and I rip his short off his body. It was the best thing you've ever seen. Because like, Sydney Party and Harry Belafonte was yeah. with him today. No, no shirt, really. nothing on. Only right. like, his trousers, but his shirt is gone. Yeah. And then I move back and he throws the bass at me, my own bass, you know. Then he's on the floor or wrestling around. And the bouncers all jumped up on the stage. It was the best show of all time. And Brian Shute was just launching Granny's Intentions and yeah. BP Fallon and all this there. Nobody's yeah. ever seen anything like this. So we worked everything out. Like we had to, we, you know, it had to be a show. That's pure rock theatre. Yeah, it was a great night. Those guys, I can still remember it. They were there, UCD, the place was full. The bouncers jumped up on stage to, to grab the band. They thought myself and Phil were actually gone. I bet all the sadomasochists <laughs> love it. Handcuffs, black and white guys, shirts torn off. You got the crowd, you got the gay guys on board, didn't you? Yeah. It's a great idea. You know, the whole thing about the defiant ones and all the handcuffs breaking out of jail. And that's your early, that's your earliest, the early explosion of you and Phil in a band setting. That's right. Tony Cordes and uh, Sydney Pottier. You know. Okay, uh, uh, you played Sydney Pottier, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> So listen, uh, you want to? I want you want to you want to play us something that has that was the first song, one of the first songs, and Phil Philo played in the original of this, if I'm if I'm remembering well, right. But you're going to play it for us, is that right? Is it's, that it's, the right song? It's new places, old faces. Phil sang on the original version. Okay. And it was a, you know it was a song about like we lived in the the one room on the Fisborough Road, and then we were, we were told we'd have to go because they were widening the road. So we were the first to go. When we went, nobody else well the road is still there. Right, okay. But we're the only house that's actually disappeared. So when you stand beside the red windmill, all you see is these railings. And the I know, is this, this is the later song. This is the song we're playing at the end. Now you're playing Sandy's Gone, aren't you? I'll play Sandy's Gone, yeah. Phil, Phil, I've done Sandy's Gone. Phil, What's the song at the end? Old Friends? Uh, old Pal. All right, okay. But yeah. which are you going to do for me now? I can do... I which, can do uh, Sandy's Gone I can do New Places which, which I'm sorry for stopping you but it's just that I thought you were walking me into Sandy's Gone I'll go with Sandy's Gone will you yeah. so I'll ask the question again yeah we're going to have to it's a different discussion because Philo didn't sing Sandy's Gone at all he's, oh he's nothing to do with it New Places old faces so if you like I'll leave Sandy's Gone and do New Places ah yeah it would tie in more with the conversation yeah, wouldn't it so was that the first Skid Row single or something let me get my facts right it was the first Skid Row single and was New it the A side or the B faces. side it was the A-side. All right. New Faces, Old Places. New Places, Old Places. New Places, Old Places. Yeah. Okay, let me ask again. Okay, uh, uh, Skid, or Brush, sorry. Yeah. Brush, you have uh, one of the first Skid Row single was called New Places, Old Faces, if I'm getting it right. Yeah. Uh, you, we don't have it, but I, you're going to do it for me, which would be great. But but lead, talk us into the song. Well, the song basically was written, I was living, as I said, we were living in the Fisber Road and uh, we were the first to go. So it's about like, People telling you have to move, but in in a sense we were lucky because we went to Cabra West and it was beautiful and this kind of road and everything worked out terrific. But as far as the song was concerned, 
Phil actually sang the very first Skid Row single, New Places, Old Faces. It's on song records, and you can actually get it on the, at the moment. It's been re-released on Hooks Records, along with two live John Peel shows, which Phil is not on because he wasn't good enough to play with the band at that stage for the John Peel stuff. Okay. But he was great for the early stuff. Apparently the girls didn't work for Peel, did it? No, well, we left that behind us for a while, you know. We, yeah, we left that behind us as we suddenly realised that... Jimmy Hendrix was out there, the cream was oh, out there, and there's a very good chance we were going to be out there very shortly. It never occurred to us that we wouldn't be as big as the cream or Jimmy Hendrix or anything like that. It still hasn't occurred to me. Yeah, but I think that's great. And this is what so this is what something I really want to say on the show and on the record. You know, as far as I'm concerned, long before before Thin Lizzy, way before you two or any of that, the first Irish rock group that gave me as a kid a buzz and made me when I maybe saw the ad for the first album on Melody Maker, I kind of realized we can do it. That's long before all the others were supposed to give anyone the idea we can do it. You guys did it. Well, Gary Moore was on with Jerry Allison there last year, and Jerry was asking like, the comparisons between Lizzie and Skid Row. Gary says there's no comparison. Like Skid Row is the band, was the band, and always will be the band. And if anybody listens to Hooks Records and Skid Row playing live, and we start with a seven-minute seven drum solo, <laughs> you know, so cross between a, like an elephant stampede and a wildebeest chase... <laughs> And you realise that we were just crazy, but we played in a particular way yeah. that nobody has even come close to to this day. From a playing point of view, and I'm not talking about lyrics or anything like that. Yeah. The lyrics weren't, you know, wouldn't you wouldn't be as good as you wouldn't be writing home about them. It was just a bit okay. of crack, just an excuse for us to play guitar, except yeah. for new places and a few songs like that that were actually fairly real. Okay. You know, oh, what's, can it, can we hear that? I'd like to hear that. But I want I want to say that about Skid Row because I mean those the, the first two albums to a lot of rock fans my age, my generation in Ireland were huge. Well. Gary Moore, as you know, has, has went on and is internationally known. Noel and myself still have something to prove okay. that hasn't gone away yet. Right. So who knows, in 2007, we still have something to prove. As long as we something to prove, we've got to go ahead and prove it. All right. It's great to have the hunger still. Let's hear the song. <laughs> now that's... Just go back a bit. Sounds first. So this is the fourth song, Fellow Ever Recorder. I wrote it and I'm, I'm going to show you. I'm going to try and do it in a particular way. Everybody knows this evening This old house we'll be leaving Forever And everybody knows we've had Good times here Me and my dad Together Piece of paper says we've got the gold to make way, well, I'm gonna walk out the car. Says you for a while. I'll leave it there. Auntie Queenie hides a tear as she sees back in the, all the years together. And Uncle John tries to hang on, though the time has come to say so long. Forever, people whom we'll probably never know will be using our house as a road. They promised us a new home, want to call our very own. But what good are new places without old faces? Neighbors come to say goodbye, red rings print round every eye. Don't cry, 
Kisses swapped around like gold No one has to be told This is goodbye People whom we'll probably never know We'll be using our house as a road They promised us a new home Want to call our very own But what put our new places With our old faces Leave that in. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, Brush, I'm glad you told me to, uh, when I tried to get you to do the song again, you said, no way, Jose. Uh, but listening to that lyric there, I mean, I don't, I hate to make the, I'm allowed to make the comparison, but it could have been Phil writing later one of the, one of his songs, couldn't it? It's a similar delivery. Yeah. I know, and the kind of reflective loss of something or, or looking on the, on the boys, the family, whatever it is. You went back to, like, I'm so lonesome, I could cry, so I think. Yeah. So we, we're kind of, it's a strange thing, we're kind of rockers, like, wrapped up in cowboy's body somewhere, you know, like there's something yeah. that's there, there's something out there that we tune into every so often, but the, the guy that you, the lads that you see out there jumping over the drums and all, that's just for a bit of crack, you know, yeah. and the other yeah. stuff is like, well, you know, you, just, you have to live with it. Yeah, but even if, so a lot of people I've interviewed about Irish music, uh, traditional music would say, we dance to defy the shadows, we dance to defy death, that's part, so that's part of what, what you did, you do too. Yeah. And well, the whole thing is really that, uh, for a certain part of your life, like you, you rock fairly hard and then you say, yeah, man, you know, and then you sit down and you're having to sing song, you're not playing a novel or a woman, that's a certainty, you know, <laughs> a mad dog woman or old cop-off show, but I'm blue as you. Although we are going to play, and for all the Skid Row fans who jump up and say, yeah, I remember that one. Okay, but uh, but also, I mean, you did right there, you said, but and I just thought it was, and I only asked the question because I listened to the lyric where you said, me and, me and my dad had great times in the house, but you told me earlier you didn't. <laughs> that's true, we didn't. <laughs> But it sounds better, you know. It's the other villa. I should have mentioned my brothers, really, Freddie, Paul, and oh, they were all the footballers. But you know, it just shows you're a romantic, right? And a romantic well, vision of the past. Everybody knows he's had, like, Freddie, Paul, and Mo does around with that dad, though, so I put him in there, you know. But wherever he is, I hope he's looking after me, you know. Excellent. Okay, look, we did mention. Hi, Joe Jackson here again. And thank you for listening to this edition of the Joe Jackson Interviews podcast. If you want, you can subscribe to my podcast channel on any podcast server or to the visualized version on YouTube.